Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. All right, welcome everybody once again to Now Church. We're glad that you're here. God is moving. It's, it's never too far gone for God to move. In fact, God is moving right now. I believe God is moving right now, and some powerful things are getting ready to take place in your life. Your best days are ahead of you, not behind you. And you just start trusting God in that way afresh. A lot of people are in a lethargy right now. Pastor Chris said earlier, kind of caught in a, in a funk, in a, in a lethargy, an apathy moment. And the church, we're the only ones that have those paddles to place on them. Clear, boom, you know, we're the, we're the ones that have the anointing to bring things back to life. And so we're gonna do it. We're believing God to do that in us, for us, and through us. How many ready for some good news? Amen. You like good news? I love good news. Well, you know, two weeks from today is our Heart for the House offering, and we've been praying about it as a team, as a pastoral staff, as elders. And we feel on that Sunday, between services, it's time for a groundbreaking ceremony for the Legacy Building right out front. So we're going to have a groundbreaking ceremony. This is a symbol. This is an act of faith. We don't have our permits yet. We don't have all the financing in place yet, but our God knows what's coming, and we feel it's time to go out and step out by faith. We'll do another thing of a commencement, hopefully in a few weeks or a couple of months after that, but right now, we feel it's time for a groundbreaking ceremony with Heart for the House Sunday, October the 4th. Amen? It's going to be an exciting time, and we hope that you'll stick around after first service. Those of you online, we hope that you'll... Come to church that Sunday, be a part of something in between the two services around uh, half past 10, 1030. Uh, that day, we're going to have a groundbreaking ceremony out front, getting ready to see some ground move, getting ready to see some things start building up, and we are really excited about the legacy building. Are you excited about it? Yes. It's not just a want, it's a need now. Our back building for our preschool is uh, near extinction. It is, uh, it is on its last legs, and um, we started uh, uh, pulling apart air conditioners to use in other parts of the building, because right now we just don't even want to reopen that for, for, for the little kids. It's just too far gone. We believe in safety. We believe in health. We believe in good things. So we need this new building, because that's going to have classrooms for our children. It's going to have new things in there. If you don't know about it, there's a, there's a whole sign on the way out, the, out of the, the church on the right-hand side out of the double doors, and you can go see what we're talking about, legacy building. It is coming forth. Um, let's get right into the Word of God, shall we? Today's message is called Miracles in Your Mouth. They melt in your mouth, not in your hands. Anyway, no. Miracles in your mouth. Miracles in your mouth. Romans chapter 4 is where we're going to begin. I'm going to use the Message Bible, and we're going to talk a little bit about Father Abraham. Anybody know Father Abraham? He had many sons, many sons, yeah, okay, three people went to Sunday school. Okay, here we go. All right, Romans 4, 17, we call Abraham our father, not because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Somebody say amen to that. Isn't that what we've always read in scripture, God saying to Abraham, 
I set you up as father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father, then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life. With a word, make something out of nothing. That's what the New King James says, that our God, listen, calls those things that be not as though they were. Calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Verse 18, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. Deciding, everybody say deciding. Deciding, that's a big part of it. Listen, when David, when the psalmist cried out and said, I will bless the Lord at all times, he didn't say, I feel to bless the Lord at all times. He said, I will. It's an act of the will. It's an act of decision to worship, to praise, to serve the living God. And the Bible says that God, God will never fail us. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to, not, to live not on the basis of what he saw he could do, but what on God said he would do. And so he was made a father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus. Here it is. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, it's hopeless. This 100-year-old body could never father a child, nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. I love verse 20. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God. The New King James says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith giving glory to God. Verse 21, sure that God would make good on what he had said. The New King James says, being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Let's pray one more time. Father, we open ourselves up to you today. Holy Spirit, spirit of wisdom and revelation, would you come and flow in this place and empower your people to move forward as sons and daughters of Christ, sons and daughters of Abraham, and heirs according to every promise. We claim your promise today and ask you for a quickening of your spirit that we can understand what you're saying to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're talking this month about the ascent, that in every life there are mountains to climb. There are challenges. There are moments that are uphill. Moments that are difficult, moments that are challenging. But God comes alive in his people in those moments best. That you and I were created to overcome some stuff, to to get over some things, to, 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 to rise above every hurdle, to rise above everything that's trying to take us down. But we have to have, as we said last week, a miracle mindset, a miracle mentality. Last week we talked about the hovering Holy Spirit out of Genesis 1, waiting for one word. Let there be light. Waiting for that word, light, illumination, revelation, inspiration. Waiting for one word, going up to the high places. In order to do that, we've got to change the image we see. We showed you the pictures that Jesus did when he showed up in Luke chapter 5 and talked to Simon Peter. And at the moment, Simon Peter was discouraged. He was despondent. He was depressed. He'd fished all night. Caught nothing, he was exhausted. 
tired and frustrated. Jesus could have come to him and spoken to him, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men at that exact moment. But instead, Jesus waited until he had done a miracle. He waited until there were two boatloads of fish from simple obedience that God provided and man didn't work his butt off to get, that God did it, that God provided it. And when he saw those two boatloads of fish, Peter, Simon Peter, recognized the glory of God that was present and knelt down and gave his life to Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. My friends, you and I have to change the inward pictures, the imagination of our heart to be conformed to the image of Jesus, the image of God's son. We've got to begin to see different pictures in our hearts of God's blessing and abundance of his best for us and not just the hard days, but the best days. We need to see, we need to believe for and see the manifestation of God's power for today. Say amen. I want you to know the Lord sees your chaos and he sees your emptiness. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is brooding. He's hovering over, over a nest. He's hovering over the eggs of new life that are hatching. He wants to bring new life in your life and mine. He wants to bring new wine. He wants to bring fresh oil. He wants you to have an oil change, but you've got to cooperate. You've got to present yourself to him and honor him. Now today, let's talk about this. There are no shortcuts to God's high places. If you're called to high places, and you are, there are no shortcuts. Remember when the enemy visited Jesus when he was in the wilderness and the devil came and said, well, if you're really a son of God, turn these stones to bread. If you're really a son of God, do this. If you're really a son of God, turn them to a high place. Show them the glory of the nations, the Bible says, which God the Father promised Jesus anyway. But what did the devil say? He said, why don't you jump off of this, the top of this building? Show us you can fly. Show us you're the son of God, and I'll give you the glory of the nations. God, God the Father already promised that. All the devil offers is a shortcut sometimes, a crossless way. It's supposed to be going to get you there, and it's not going to get you there. It's supposed to get you there, but that's exactly what the enemy did in the garden when he deceived Adam and Eve. He offered them a shortcut and deceived them and took their innocence. Everything that is of God and everything that is, of, that is good takes time. The Lord doesn't work on a person over a long weekend, but over weeks, months, years, and even decades. When God makes you a promise, listen, he prepares you to manage that promise. So my son-in-law yesterday, Pastor Tristan Kennedy is back today somewhere in the building, probably with the kids, and, uh, and he is... Um, they, they have a new uh, baby the last few weeks, little Kylan, and we're getting to know her. She's very, very pretty, very, very sweet. But it's interesting how you have this gestation period of nine months in humans, and you think that you just can't wait for the birth, because you think the birth is the be-all, end-all, but the, the be-all, end-all, no. If you've had children, you know that that's when the work starts. They're living on, my, my daughter and son-in-law are living on, you know, probably three or four hours of sleep a night and not all at once. 
And they've got a very sweet baby, but you got to feed them every three or four hours when, they first, when they're first born. And so it, it, everything, takes, everything has a price. But listen, if you're a first time, maybe you're, you're, you're a parent or about to be a parent for the first time. You don't know what you signed up for. It's going to be awesome, but it's going to be tiring first, right? And God, what God does is he starts preparing you in your character and your nature for those breakthroughs and blessings. But the reason they take time is because he's working on you to carry. Listen, I'll, just, I'll say this out of, out of my heart. Miracles have to be managed once they become miracles. It's not like you just go, oh boy, that's great, I got my breakthrough, and you're done. No, if you get a physical healing, you now have to take care of your body. If you get a financial blessing, now you're responsible for the blessing that you have, the stewardship you have. If you, if you had a miracle breakthrough where some big lump sum of money came to you all at once, you'd have to be very very strong about the way you manage that. And so in any miracle that God wants to do, he has to prepare you to manage that. He wants to do it. That's why there's no little, there's, there's, no, there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts to God's best. I read this story in a devotional the other day and um, it really blessed me. This man named Robert Dick Wilson was one of the great professors at Princeton Theological Seminary. Did you know that most of the major colleges Harvard, Yale, Princeton, all started out as seminaries. I bet you didn't know that, some of you. Princeton was a great seminary. One of the students of this man had been invited to preach in Miller Chapel in, at Princeton after his graduation. Dr. Wilson came to hear his student. Close to the meeting, the old professor came up to his former student and said, I'm so glad to hear you're preaching that you're a big godder. I said, big godder, what is that? He said, when my boys come back, I come to see if they are big godders or little godders, and I know that they're, what their ministry will become. His former student asked him to explain. And he replied, well, some men have a little God, and they're always in trouble with him. He can't do any miracles. He can't take care of the inspiration and transmission, transmission of the scripture to us. He doesn't intervene on behalf of his people. I call them little godders. Then there are those who have a great God. He speaks and it is done. He commands and it stands fast. He knows how to show himself strong on behalf of those that fear and worship him. He said, my student, you have a great God and he will bless your ministry. What kind of God do you have? Are you a big Godder or a little Godder? Because the, the, the fact is that our God is strong. Let's focus on Abraham's story this week. He believed God, the Bible says, and that was reckoned his account for righteousness, trust and obedience. At the age of 75, God called Abraham to follow him. 75, he was 75 before he even got the promise of a family. And then he had to walk with God for years and years, decades. God promised him a family, one that would be blessed, numerous, and strong enough to bless others. With a word... God makes something out of nothing. With a promise, he seals the deal. With a word, God makes something out of nothing. That's what he does. That's what he did in creation, and that's what he does in your life and my life. But will you and I acclimate 
when that word comes? Will we rise up when that word flows? Will we step forward when the word of the Lord comes? Light be. Our God calls those things that be not as though they were. That's not denial. The Bible doesn't say he, he calls those things that are not as though, uh, that are as though they were not. He didn't say that. He didn't say, if you got a bad diagnosis from the doctor, ignore it and deny it and it won't be there. That's not what he says. He says, he calls those things that be not as though they were. And then somebody has to grab that word and begin to hang on for dear life. Promises take time. But the enemy wants you to give up. Mark 11, verse 22. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. Have the kind of faith God has. We don't think of God having faith, but he does. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, listen, but believes that those things he says will be done, he shall have whatever he says. Therefore, Jesus said, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, just walk away and hope for the best. No. Believe that you receive them and you'll have them. The reason I bring up my newest little granddaughter is because our daughter had a couple of miscarriages. Believing for a little girl. They had a promise. They brought her over to our house on Friday for little Caden's birthday, Caden's six. We all got together as a family. And little Kylan came in with this cute little I said hat. They said, no, no, not a hat. It's a, it's a headband. It's a headband with a little bow and a little princess crown on it. And I said to my daughter, that is, a, that is so cute. That's so awesome. I, you know, when we had our daughter in the 80s, you, you know, you didn't, you didn't, they didn't have little things for little girls. You had to tell everybody, no, no, no. She might not have hair yet, but she's a girl. You had to dress them up really frou-frou and really, you know, make sure people knew this is a little girl. But little Kylan's all wrapped up. Can't see what she's wearing, but she's got this little, her first little tiara. And I said to my daughter, I said, that's so cute. Did you just get that? She said, no. We got it years ago. Before we started having children, we got this and hung on to it even after the two boys and even after the miscarriages, they held on to a piece of something, a point of contact to say our promise is still coming. I want to say to you in the room and those of you connecting with us online, don't give up. Part of the story of Abraham is this overcoming tenacity to just keep putting one foot in front of the other even when it didn't look like the promise was coming. To trust God, to prepare, to have something that says, I believe. 
Believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Have the God kind of faith. Did you realize that God has faith? That doesn't, you know, God, you know, God has faith. That's what Jesus said. Have the kind of faith God has. Have faith in God and have the God kind of faith. Faith, therefore, cannot be just a mental belief in God's existence because God cannot doubt that he's God. It's a believing heart and a confessing mouth, believing and speaking out the promises of God. My friends, if you get nothing else from today, get this. There are miracles in your mouth. There are miracles in your mouth. The beginning of every supernatural work of God begins in your heart and comes out in your speech. But you gotta listen to yourself. Jesus said this. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you're in distress, when, you're, when, when, when you hear yourself cursing and swearing, it doesn't mean you're just having a bad day. It means something's working in your heart of cursing and swearing. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's going on inside of you will find its way out through your mouth. And you've got to begin to guard your heart, not just your words. James chapter 3 says, your tongue steers the direction of your life. Just as a bit is in a horse's mouth, your tongue controls the direction of your life. Just like the rudder of a big ship. It's a small rudder, big ship, but that little rudder controls the whole direction. Some people say, well, pastor, why would God want us to do things like, you know, have a heavenly language and pray in the spirit? Because if, it, if you can yield your tongue to God, you can yield the direction of your life to God. And if you can't, then you can't. And it's not mind over matter. It's yieldedness. Watch your language. It's crazy to me how far we've deteriorated as a culture. When you just listen to the words coming out of people's hearts, mouths, or keyboards. The Bible says Abraham never said, this is interesting, Abraham never said it's hopeless. That's what the message says. Abraham never uttered the words, it's hopeless. Too far gone. He didn't do it. If you've done it, you need to repent. He might have thought it, but he didn't say it out loud. The Bible says he gave glory to God and was strengthened in his faith. He opened his mouth to say, I praise you, Father. I praise you that you're still able to do what you promised. Proverbs 21, 23, the NIV says this, those who guard their mouths and their tongues keep themselves from calamity. Love that. Guard your heart and guard your mouth. Abraham chose to believe in God's ability more than, his, than in his own inability. Faith, therefore, is about focus. You gotta focus your heart, focus your life in times when everything's helter-skelter, when everything's topsy-turvy, when everything's going crazy around you. You gotta focus your heart. That's why the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Focus on God, focus on him. The word says that Abraham wouldn't focus on his own lack of, let's say, pep or desire, pre-Viagra, or Sarah's geriatric infertility. I'm trying to be sensitive here. Geriatric infertility, you can explain that later. 
He's not focused on it. In fact, at 99 years of age, the promise gets sharper and God comes and sets a timeline when Abraham takes care of some visiting angels. They didn't know were angels. God sent some visitors and came and, and, and he took care of them. And God said, okay, about this time next year, Sarah is gonna have a child. The Bible says that Abraham and Sarah both laughed. Really? Really? But Abraham chose in that moment, even though he was looking at the impossible, to say, okay, I'll believe that. And God said, and no longer will I tell you, you're Abram, a father. Isn't that ironic? That was his name from birth. His name was father and he had no kids. But God said, I'm changing your name to Abraham, father of a multitude. Sorry for the front row. I didn't mean to give you the Shamu, the Shamu version. Anyway, the splash zone. He said, I'm going to put ha. I'm going to put the, the word chai. You ever heard the song, Lachayim, to life? The life of God, Lachayim. God said, I'm going to put ha. I'm going to put Abraham. You're the father of a multitude, not just father of a child. You're going to be the father of nations. And from that moment, the Bible says, Abraham began to call himself Abraham and not Abram. How much, how crazy do you have to be to believe God when, you're, when you're, you've been waiting 24 years, you were already past due on the age timeline, time and now God says, and now I'm telling you it's getting closer, but you gotta change your name. You gotta change the way, you, what you call yourself to what I call you. My friends, you gotta quit getting your identity from public opinion or from what your friends are saying now. Your identity and my identity are not based on anything else other than what God calls us, what God says about us in his word. And so you and I have to stand at times and say, okay, you want to change my name? You want to change the way I see myself? I receive it, God. I may not see it, but I receive it. Joyce Meyer said, when we trust God more than our feelings... It confuses the devil. When he throws his best shot at you and he can't budge you from believing God, he won't know what to do with you anymore. I love that. A heart aligned becomes a heart stirred. We talked last week about hearts stirred and spirits willing. Heart, a heart aligned is a heart stirred. How do you stir up your heart? You align your heart with the purpose of God. You align your heart with what God has said, with what God is saying, you align your heart. Why? Because agreeing with God activates your spirit. Agreeing with God activates your inner man. It, it, it gives you the, the life starts flowing again. The juices start flowing again. Abraham might have been exhausted of that promise, might have been the place where I just, I don't know if I can even believe it. But when he brought himself into alignment with the will of God, and so, okay, God, you said change my name. I am Abraham. I'm Abraham. I am, I, uh, okay, 
I am a father of multitudes. And, and, and at that point, imagine the neighbors are like saying, okay, what, you, you changed your name, what is it now? Well, I'm father of multitudes. You didn't even, you, oh, you got his Ishmael over there and you kicked him out. What are you talking about? A heart aligned becomes a heart stirred. Some people are more afraid of what other people think than what God thinks. Can I say something to you right now that's important? Let me talk to the online campus. If you're believing God for a miracle, then how can you keep aligning yourself with churches or preachers that don't believe in miracles that are for today? One of the greatest miracles I ever saw in my life in one of the early miracle services I went to at Benny Hinn's back in the 80s, this man was brought in on a stretcher and he was, he was skin and bones and he looked, it's, it's, the, it's the most god-awful color of skin I've ever seen. He, he was kind of olive gray skin. He looked like he was dead already. And my father-in-law was his first time at a miracle service and my father-in-law at that point was a little skeptical and during, all, and during this healing service, all these miracles are happening, and my father-in-law is nudging me. See this guy over here? Nothing happened to him. See this guy? He's in a stretcher. Hey, see this guy? I saw the guy. I knew. All of a sudden, Pastor Benny Hinn called for the guy in the stretcher. They bring him up on the platform. He prays for him a couple of times, and power of God hits the guy. About the third time he gets up from the floor, you saw... I mean, in front of my eyes, as God is my witness, I saw the guy's color of his skin change. In front of our eyes, we saw blood come back into his skin, life come back in his eyes, and he began to jump around, and he was healed. There were a series of healing services going on so that uh, a few days later, this guy brought back x-rays and showed, he should, here's the x-rays before, I was about to be taken to hospice. I was about to die. Here's the x-rays now. No cancer. Sickness gone. Disease gone. No more tumors. I'm healed. The place went crazy. He came to church there for a few weeks. And then we didn't see him for a while. He just kind of come in once in a while for a healing service. And a few months later, I said, whatever happened to that guy? I think his name's Arnold. So whatever happened to Arnold? Somebody said, oh, you didn't hear? I said, no. They said, Arnold went back to his, I'm just gonna say it for, I'm not criticizing things today. I don't know where they stand today. But he said, he, this friend of mine said, he went back to his Episcopal church and he showed his miracle to his pastor, his priest. And the priest said, you're not healed. That was mind over matter. Hope you feel better for a while, Arnold, but... God doesn't do that today. And Arnold passed away six months after he'd been completely healed of the same thing that came back. How can you align yourself in a place when you're believing for a miracle? How can you align yourself in a place that doesn't believe? The Bible says this way. Here's a scripture. You want a scripture? I don't know the chapter and verse, but I'll tell you what it says. Only a man who wanders out of the way of understanding 
shall remain in the congregation of the dead. That's what it says. The only reason why you would stay in a dead church is if you've lost your mind. Say, Pastor, what am I supposed to do? Leave. If this place ever gets dead, leave us. But we're not, we're not going down without a fight. In Luke chapter 1, I got I to quit in a minute. In Luke chapter 1, an old priest named Zacharias is called upon in the temple to burn incense in the presence of the Lord. He prays once again for a baby, even though he and his wife Elizabeth were, quote, advanced in age. An angel, Gabriel by name, the postal archangel, he's the messenger. That was supposed to be funny. Anyway, shows up and tells him, your prayer has been heard and answered. And Zechariah says, no way. Are you for real? You've been praying the the same prayer for years. And the angel shows up and says, yes, the answer's on the way. And instead of saying, you got it. He said, I don't believe it. And an angel said, Gabriel said, that's why you're going to be mute for the entire pregnancy of your wife until you name the child, what we tell you to name the child, John, John the Baptist. Until you name him John, by the way, he didn't call him John the Baptist, he just called him John. So you call him John, not Zacharias Jr. And for nine months, this guy's writing stuff for everybody. And they go, what happened? In the presence of God, he can't talk. Why? Because there are some miracles that are so great that God won't even let you mess it up. This guy couldn't speak. Now, the day they presented before the priest, they said, okay, and the neighbors all come around and you know all the social media friends, they're in there going, you should call him Zacharias Jr. Call him Zach, Zachy, little Zach. And his first words after at least nine months, he said, his name is John. And then he could speak. My friends, there are moments where your, your, your miracle is in your mouth, but the enemy's trying to keep it away. Zach asked skeptical questions and he became mute. The Bible says Abraham asked no skeptical questions. He didn't say, well, how, why, what, who, and when. He didn't, he didn't pepper with questions. He just said, got it. Just put your hand out for a second. Just say, I got it. Say, I receive. See, that's, a, that's how you receive a promise. At first, when it seems crazy, when it seems lunacy, when God asks you to change your name or change the way you see yourself. All right, God, I receive it. I receive it. That's all you have to do. The Bible says Abraham plunged into the promise. He didn't linger in the what-if zone. You have more power, my friends, than you actually realize that you do. Robert Schuller said this. I, quote, I put this on uh, social media a couple weeks ago. I love this. Robert Schuller once said, never cut down a tree in the wintertime. Never make a negative decision in the low time. Never make your most important decisions when you're in your worst moods. Wait, be patient, 
The storm will pass. The spring will come. My friends, when you, or Robert said this way, he said, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it and hang on. Believe. Receive. Trust God. Let him do what only he can do. I'll finish with this thought. When God gave man, I, I told you last week, God didn't make man robots. He, he gave man influence in the earth. God is not ruling the earth. He, he gave man to rule the earth. The devil stole the keys. Jesus took the keys back and gave them to the church. So we have power and authority more than we think. Abraham, excuse me, Adam, in the beginning days, saw that God had given him the power to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, take dominion. And God said, okay, here's all these animals. And they had this um, Mrs. Adam contest. Do you know that? The Bible says there was no, no helper suitable for him, but they brought him elephants and tigers and, or lions and tigers and bears. Yeah, thank you. And, and they brought him animals. And the Bible says this. Let me read it to you from Scripture. I'm almost done. Genesis 2, 19. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them, to see what he would call them. God didn't say, okay, Adam, come in here. Now, uh, do you take dictation? I want you to write this down real fast. Elephant, giraffe, zebra. No. The Bible says that God brought them in front of Adam and said, Adam, I want you to name these. And whatever you name them is what we'll call them. And whatever you call them is what we'll name them. Say, Pastor, what's that got to do with anything? The power of God in your mouth. The Bible says, so Adam gave names to all the cattle, birds of the air, every beast of the field. But for Adam, there's no, not found a helper comparable to him. See, it was a Miss, Mrs. Adam contest. And none of these animals, he said, he said, nice animals, not for me. And so, verse two, three verses later, verse 23, he, he's now created, God makes woman, and Adam said, everybody say said. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man, because she was taken out of man. She's not man, she's whoa, man. And woman became what Adam called. Now, here's the point. Be careful what you call those you love. Because you, I, I hear people speaking disrespectfully about their spouses publicly or even privately. And then they wonder why their spouses are becoming what they called them. Because there's a miracle in your mouth and you start... You start calling some stuff. You start calling names and they will rise up to become that which you called them. You start calling your children stupid and guess what they become? Foolish. Maybe somebody called you names. This is a day of salvation. This is a day of redemption. It's time to be free. We had an old country guy in the church when we first started 30 years ago, called his wife a heifer. Publicly. Made a joke about it all the time. I won't tell you what became of her. 
I can't even do the joke. I was going to do the joke, but anyway. <laughs> Prophesy. Say what God says. When you set your heart to agree with God and his word, you're moving your life toward God's will and God's best because you are God's mouthpiece to the world around you. And remember what I told you about Abraham and Sarah laughing? God gets the last laugh. He always does. Because God said, because you've laughed at my promise, I want you to name your son Isaac, which in Hebrew means laughter. And remind yourself that when I told you something, you mocked me because you were having trouble believing. My friends, wherever you're struggling in your life, whatever promise you're reaching for in your life, it's not going to be fulfilled because you're so good. It's going to be fulfilled because he is so good. And if you'll begin to honor him for his goodness in the process, instead of holding back the process, you'll let the process play out and go forward. God wants to do something great in your life right now. But you have power in your mouth. You have power in your words. Death and life and the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Wherever you are in this room, wherever you are watching today online, around the world, or right here in Ocala or Gainesville. Father, in the name of Jesus, we've all said bad words. Every one of us in here has had moments where we just got frustrated waiting for a promise. But your word said that our father Abraham never gave up, never cursed you, never walked away from the promise, never focused on his own ability or inability, but gave you glory. Father, today your people give you praise because nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is too hard for you to do. Nothing is too difficult. Some things may take a lifetime, but we trust you, God, to bring them to pass. We pray for healing in this room. Maybe you've been trusting God for a miracle in your body. Maybe you've been trusting God for a miracle in your finances, a miracle in your marriage, a miracle on your job a miracle in getting a new place to live, whatever it is, our God can do miracles and he wants to, and he wants to be glorified. He wants to, he wants to receive the glory. He wants to, to give you a testimony. He wants to build you a storyline to be able to testify of how good and how faithful he is. Lord, I pray for every person who's trusting God who's trusting you, Lord, for a miracle. And I pray that you'd bring that healing, bring that manifestation, bring that strength, bring that new life, bring that new hope, bring that new vision. And Father, would you adjust the way we see ourselves? Would you adjust us in our inner thoughts to be who you've called us to be? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, just for a moment, maybe you're here today 
and you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life. Maybe you've tiptoed around religion and tiptoed around promises of God. Some people are just in and out. They're just one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and not really ever deciding who they are, who they're called to be. I want to challenge you. This is a moment when the Spirit of God is moving that you need to jump in by faith. And as I said earlier about holding your hand out and just saying, I receive, this is a moment to receive new life. This is a moment to receive a fresh start. No matter where you've been or what you've done, or maybe speaking to the people I said to you earlier that you're, you, you, you've had a rough weekend and you've been out of your mind on chemicals or alcohol, whatever it is, I want you to know you're never too far gone for God's love to redeem you, to change you. But you have to do one thing. You have to receive it. If you're here today or you're somewhere in a hotel room or in your home, in your living room, and you want to know Jesus, this is your moment to reach out by faith. Right now, would you just lift up your hand? Reach it up if you want Jesus. If you're asking God to come into your life in a brand new way, and just say this, just say, Jesus, I receive. Jesus, I receive. That can be the beginning right there of a brand new start and a brand new life because he loves you like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. In Jesus' name, be blessed, be blessed, be blessed. Did you get anything today? Come on, put your hands together and honor the Lord right now. Bless His name. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.